you don't find an amazing team, you nurture an amazing team. The work environment that we all grew up in or we were nurtured in is actually keeping people in a childish state. Three months later, you meet them, they're either burned out or they haven't done anything. You have to manage yourself. And are you a good manager of yourself or not? One big thing that I know a lot of new nomads fall into this trap is traveling too fast. Talking to people you don't know will be inevitable at some point if you want to be a nomad. Welcome to the Nomad Solopreneur Show. In today's episode, we have Lavinia, the managing partner of Livit International, an ecosystem of support services for entrepreneurs, startups, and remote workers who build exciting tech businesses. Lavinia is also the founder of the Remote Skills Academy, an education platform for Indonesians who want to learn to work remotely, and a founding member of the Remote First Institute. Lavinia has lived in eight countries and four continents and explored more than 40 others. She's a fan of jazz, heritage architecture, food and nature, and a future of work enthusiast. She's based in Bali for a part of the year and part-time digital nomad for the rest. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Gabe. Where are you taking this call from? I am currently in Bali. I'm back here after some time in Europe and then Sri Lanka and settling back into my routine in Bali. I'm currently at Livid Hub Bali, which is part of our ecosystem of services for startups and entrepreneurs and remote workers. So I'm hidden away in a coding room or so. Yeah, you definitely have a better <laughs> background than myself and soundproof room. <laughs> I love that you mentioned Livid because as you already know, it's one of my favorite corking, if not my favorite corking space out there. And it's actually the first corking space though I ever been. So I love to hear more about Livid because a lot of our listeners are aspiring nomads or nomads. And I know from my own experience, the support that you provide to nomads. Livid is a larger concept than just the space. The space is one of the components of that ecosystem. And we can we can talk about it. It's based in Bali. We've got a variety of different kinds of spaces that both teams and individuals can use. And the concept that we have here is a chore-free environment. We try to take care of as many things as possible, anything from meals and laundry and yoga classes and all of those things so you can be more productive and focusing on what you're doing. So that is the concept. We are a space known for high levels of productivity, as you may have experienced yourself. This is a big topic when it comes to being a digital nomad and especially a solopreneur to have support systems that help you form those habits and be in the right environment for focus and productivity and community and all of those things. So the spaces and the service space is one of those things that we do. And then we also help startups and teams and entrepreneurs and remote workers with a number of different other things. We have recruitment, a small boutique recruitment agency where we help people automate and their pipelines and then help with end-to-end recruitment as well. 
We have a brand called Project Getaway, where people can come and enjoy a vacation in Bali. I believe we'll talk more about that at some point, because I think we have a special deal for your followers. And we also have a team that takes care of helping people run their businesses from an admin or operational level. We have HR fractional services as well, where we help people build and scale teams. And we also have the Remote Skills Academy, which is basically, as you were saying an education platform for Indonesians who want to work remotely and trying to sort of close the gap. I think everyone who's a nomad has noticed that us nomads go to these beautiful places where we can have a great lifestyle. And then all around us, there's usually some locals who do not have the same level of opportunity or are not able to make the same amounts of money and geo-arbitrage, right? Making money somewhere and spending it somewhere else. And we wanted to contribute towards trying to narrow that gap, right? And give an opportunity to Indonesians around us to upskill and reskill. So any of your listeners who is interested in working with a VA or with outsourcing some of the services are welcome to get in touch with our team that does that. So yeah, that's the whole concept behind what we do to reinvent work in a way that is more meaningful and more easeful in many ways. So it's work that you enjoy, you love doing in the company of like-minded people, that you're productive, you're close to your top potential in whatever you do and so on. Thanks for describing that since it's usually this misconception that maybe a core space is just a place where you go to network or actually can be a really productive place and from my experience at live it and as you said when someone is taking care of all the things that you can have on your plate like from laundry meals and yeah to have like a quiet place to take a call or a quiet place to work from to also have the events to be able to network and all that mix for me, it was a no-brainer. I wanted to stay in Bali for three months at the beginning when I came, and I ended up staying almost nine months. Mostly thanks of Live It, the work you guys put into. And switching a bit the discussion, because I'm really impressed by the work that you do with the Remote Skills Academy, especially that you started during the pandemic when it was hard to start a new business, a new venture. And supporting that way, the locals in Indonesia to have access to education and to resources that usually they don't. The thing that I want to address here, it's how you manage to put all of this together, how you market yourself and how others can start something similar or partner with you in order to offer this kind of support to other regions that are in a disadvantage. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for the question. We actually are very open to this kind of partnerships. We ran three projects with a team with another co-working space from Chiang Mai, and we offered to a Thai audience the Remote Skills Academy courses. So we are very open to this kind of partnership. It's a format that we've developed. So frankly speaking, when we started, we didn't know what we we're doing. We just wanted to do something good. And we said, we're going to teach some of the things we know. We've worked remotely and built remote teams for about 10 years now. And so we know a lot about that. We don't really know how to teach this. We don't really know what's the format and everything. And we kept experimenting. We started so the first time I talked about the idea was December 2019, right before the pandemic. We were all young and innocent, right? And then it so just happened that the pandemic hit three months later as we were actually opening applications for the first cohort. It was a small initiative in the beginning, right? It was a class of 20 people looking to become virtual assistants or learn how to do that. And then we kept experimenting, kept changing, seeing what works, what doesn't. 
what makes the Remote Skills Academy unique right now is that we've arrived to a specific combination of different kinds of courses, masterclasses, workshops, and so on. Our signature type of program is basically a blended learning one where you have some self-led material that you take on your own. Then we have some live classes, right, where we have trainers coming in and, and teaching live. They are as practical as possible. So we think of them almost as sort of labs rather than someone telling you, um, teaching you academic things for an hour or so. There's homework, there's co-working, virtual co-working sessions and so on. So people know each other. People come for the material for the courses, but really stay for the community because they discover they can support each other and be on this journey together, right, of reskilling and upskilling and becoming digital remote workers to say so. We're trying to speak about this in an objective way and be humble as well, but really people change their lives in three to six months with this course if they're really motivated. And we also have internship programs, so mentorship, internship and peer support through the community and, and so on. So it's a it really is not just courses, it's an education platform and a community that people become part of. And oftentimes they, they'll, virtual assistants almost like a gateway, right? They start working with entrepreneurs, getting gigs, and then perhaps sometimes they realize they want to specialize further into digital marketing or project management or online business management, or we've been doing community management for Web3. We're looking at AI-powered marketing assistant course for our next adventure to say so. Yeah, the team has just done an absolutely fantastic job led by Leah and Chelsea's leading a lot of things, you know, pretty much all of them and you've you've worked with them before. So it's trying to stay humble, but it's a huge success and it's all thanks to the team. It's amazing. And what I love is that you put your team first and because you cannot do such a great thing without an amazing team. And it's one of the things that personally I struggle sometimes to find great team members to work with. How do you manage to put together such a great team, especially that a part of your team, it's remote. And also you being part of the year digital nomad moving between places. How do you manage all these things to run smooth? Yeah, well, I believe in very many ways, performance is independent of location. We, we're stepping into a world of work where we have to decouple contribution and performance from geography, right? Or proximity and so on. With Livit, we've incubated and nurtured startups, our own startups, and then also external startups for about 10, 12 years now. Remote, setting up for remote is, is something we know very well and something we've experimented with. And we obviously went right with some things, but wrong with some other things, learned a lot, right? You learn more from failures than from the times it went, right? So the team, just like with great relationships and everything else, you don't find an amazing team. You nurture an amazing team. Like obviously there are things that have to work there, an overlap of values, work ethic, and so on, right? But largely a great team is nurtured, is not happening. You walk in one day and you have a great team because <laughs> it just happened to be the right people. I think there's a lot to be said about being very clear about what you need, what you should, especially for solopreneurs, you may not want to go into a full-time full team, right? But you may want to outsource certain things, right? That you are maybe 
don't want to do or are not good at or are not worth your time and so on and someone else would be better at. It's good to reflect strategically on where do you have leverage. Do you know the do you know the framework with the $10 work and the $10,000 work, right? Like the high leverage, high skill. Like it's all about that, right? It's like where can I add the most value in my business and what needs to be done by me and what are the other things that someone else is better suited to do. And then looking at finding those people and nurturing those people work well together with you and amongst each other to make that happen. So building in and growing is probably one of my favorite topics. So I can I can go down the rabbit hole and be there for a while. But yes, we are we're one of Asia's best places to work across the entire continent, actually, according to great places to work and our team culture and so on. I encourage everyone who has a team or is thinking of working and growing with a team is it's very much a team effort. It's not just like, oh, look how great you are, right? It's being agile, pivoting, trying different things, not believing there's absolute frameworks that need to be followed and will work. And even listening to people like me, maybe something I say doesn't work for you, for your business, right? So so yeah, just all the skills, like the life cycles of everything right now, of companies, of products, of careers are getting shorter and shorter. And I think the skills are foundational, being agile, being responsive, being resilient, being responsive to welcoming change and thriving in change and all of that. And not expecting that anyone even you has the, the the final answers to anything, right? And if they're the final answers in three days from now, they're probably not anymore. With regards to remote work and also being remote myself sometimes, I think we're in a unique situation in the way that we have a physical setup here where people obviously have to show up to work in person to make sure that things get done at the hub and operations are being ran. And then we also have all the other parts like recruiters and consultants and all kinds of collaborators who don't have to be physically. The hybrid setup is indeed probably the hardest one to get right between office, full office, full remote or hybrid, because you've got two different sets of realities with two different systems and rules and ways of interacting. But in terms of myself, I think, yeah, as you were saying, I'm a part-time digital nomad and I travel between two and four months a year and the rest I'm here in Bali. That's a cadence that works really well for me. I think the super important thing, as I was hinting earlier, when you do that, is that you take charge of your own routines. You're very intentional about your habits, about your environment, about how you do things and how do you how you fit in work and life and so on. Yeah, even after four years of digital nomading, you still struggle. And I just noticed that one of the remote leaders mentioned that he spoke with over 100 remote workers and several employees, and they have this struggle of self-management. And I want to dig a bit deeper into this and learn how you manage all this, especially in that period when you're on the road. And of course, visiting all this, you mentioned that you just came from Sri Lanka. I'm pretty sure you managed already to explore and in the same time, do your work and enjoy the place you've been. I know it's hard to switch of the traveling mode and get into the work mode. How do you achieve this? 
Yeah, it's definitely a very first world problem, but it is a problem and it's a real challenge. And I would invite anyone who's listening now to acknowledge that is something that, again, will not just happen. You'll wake up while traveling and be super productive and everything is going to be amazing. And then you're going to explore the place as well. I think the most important thing, you said the right word, self-management, right? A lot of people want to be free and they quit their job and they become entrepreneurs or freelancers or solopreneurs or self-employed and so on. The truth is that the work environment that we all grew up in or we were nurtured in is actually keeping people in a childish state, right? Where someone tells you when to come to work and what to do and what to wear. Until three years ago, that was the norm. Like when you can take a lunch break, when you can go to the toilet in some cases and so on. And that is not exactly conducive of creating full adults that self-manage, that take decisions, that are very intentional about how they do things and so on, right? Because there's always someone blamed or to expect directions from, to say so. So to be a successful remote worker and a successful freelancer, solopreneur, and so on, I think the most important thing is that you have to acquire that mindset that you are in charge. You are the adult in the room. There's no one else who's going to take care of any of this. And it's easy to just say that, okay, yeah, no, I'm in charge and whatever. But what does that really mean at a practical level? And I'll give some examples here. Things that you have to think about. Are you compartmentalizing or integrating your work and life? Which is to mean Are you working a certain schedule? Perhaps some of your clients get up at 6 a.m. where you are and you work from 6 to 2 p.m. or whatever, right? And then you do your exploring and your workouts and your social life. Or are you integrating? which is to mean that you wake up, you have a client call, then you go and have a three-hour brunch with friends, and then you go back and do another call, and then a bit of work. There's no right or wrong. I'm very much a fragmentalizer. I like to know what my work time is. And obviously, I'll do, I'll make exceptions. I'll be flexible with the start time or the end time if need be. But I want my brain to know these are the hours in which it doesn't matter if I'm with family or traveling or with friends or alone or adventuring or whatever. I'm working. Obviously, there's time and place for vacation as well, for hopefully fully disconnected vacations. But I'm talking about work days or work weeks. Another thing relating to this, do you have a cutoff time? Because there's not going to be anyone who's you work until this time and then you're done. So what happens, and I think we've all experienced it at some point, is like you everything starts to blur together, work and life, and it never ends. It's the tyranny of the always on. And you end the previous work day at 11 because you had to take a call with the US. And then the next day starts at 5am because you had to take a call with Australia. And three months later, you burn out, right? So that's the cost of not being intentional. Also thinking, what are your boundaries when it comes to work? How many clients are you taking on simultaneously? Do you work weekends? Do you work eat all of those things. Because again, there's not going to be someone in charge that decides these things for you. Also, what facilities and gadgets and add-ons do you need to have an ideal workday, right? Do you need a productive, quiet space or are you quite good at being in your own bubble in a noisy cafe? I honestly don't know many people who can sit down and, I don't know, code or move the needle for a client in a super noisy, hot space, but perhaps they are out there and they should be doing their thing. Do you need music? Do you need specific gadgets? I don't know, a certain keyboard or 
screens. Make sure you have those and they are portable, right? If you're traveling, what kind of physical and social activities do you need to include in your routine to be at your best? Do you need to see your friend a lot? Are you more of a loner? You're going to be very picky about the social interactions you have. Block time for these things. Otherwise, it's all run over, right? Do you like to have rituals? Even if a ritual is something as simple as making your coffee or getting a coffee and switching your mouse or your keyboard to the one that you use for work or putting a certain type of music or white noise, I highly recommend. So commute was something that we all hated. We None of us was having fun commuting for 30 minutes or an hour. But what it did to our brains is that it signaled that we are now, we're dressed, we're going to work, we're in a car, we're in a bus, we're whatever. So we transitioned in and out. And we said to our brains, okay, now we're starting, now we're done. And now there's none of that anymore. So if you can, again, neuroscience says it's really good to create these transitions, even if they're completely fake to say so. Is it a certain drink that you want to have? Is it a certain gadget that you use? I don't know if you're familiar with Cal Newport. He wrote an amazing book called Deep Work. I'm a huge fan of it. And he literally has a super geeky routine at the end of the work where he literally says to himself, completed for the day, shut down, complete. He literally says, shut down, complete. And then it cues his brain to finish work. It doesn't have to be that weird or geeky. You don't have to talk to speak to yourself in a co-working space and get yourself out of work mode. But be very intentional about these things, because otherwise I've seen it again and again. I'm sort of part of the first wave of digital nomads before these things had named co-living, co-working, digital nomads and things like that. And I've seen it so many times. I can't even count people being like, I'm going to build a startup. I'm gonna, taking this investment. I'm going to do this project. Three months later, you meet them. They're either burned out or they haven't done anything. They haven't gotten anything done because they got lost in social activities and postponing and procrastinating and so on. Unfortunately, I was in that situation and I got asked, man, you're living your best life. You're living on the road, seeing all these beautiful places, working on your own business and so on. How you end up being burned out? And this was the reason I didn't have boundaries. I didn't have like block of time for my work, for my personal life. Having this limit of switching off and work was off. I was mostly working from home and that was a big minus. Of course, it was during the pandemic, working spaces weren't open. So I had to be inside all the time i didn't have these boundaries from work and actual life and small things like this having a designated workspace i have an alarm and when the alarm goes off i know that i should be finished working of course there are exceptions you have to be flexible but in the same time it's good to be strict and just stop one extra tip about being a child and being an adult and someone being in charge and so on think of how you treat yourself Let's say if you saw someone, a manager, treating someone the way you treat yourself, what would you think? Would you think this person is absurd in their expectations? Would you think they are too loose on the person and allow them to do whatever they want? Do you think they're hyper demanding and irrealistic in what they expect of that person? Try to observe it as it's someone else. And what you will often observe is that if someone who leads a team in my organization would treat someone in their team the way I treat myself, I would be very upset with that person. I would be like completely unrealistic, way too many expectations, way too much to get done. But sometimes it's interesting to take that space and evaluate yourself as the manager of yourself. 
The future really is managers of one and the one is you, even in organizations. We expect people to self-manage more because it's work from anywhere and work anytime now. So you have to manage yourself. And are you a good manager of yourself or not? It's a good question to ask. It's a brilliant question to ask. And there are different ways to address this. And one thing that worked for me was literally, as you mentioned, to project this outside person that is there and you see how it evolves around others. And I noticed that I'm too strict on myself, too strict on what I try to achieve. You actually introduced the concept to me of not only the blocking time thing, but to have certain non-negotiable in a day that literally changed the productivity for me. I know that every single day I have two non-negotiables and those needs to be done no matter what. And all the others are bonus. Since I switched to that approach, everything changed because I don't put that much pressure on me. Oh my God, I didn't do much. But when I look, oh, I did my two non-negotiables. So I really moved the needle in the right direction. And uh, of course, with all this traveling as well comes the loneliness and the decision fatigue. How did you manage that? Especially at the beginning when you just started, because there weren't a lot of resources out there to learn from others, probably just nomadic math or so on. Nomad list was a forum. It was an old school forum at the time. <laughs> it's now like a full blown infrastructure of different resources. Yeah, we've come a long way. I think I'll refer again to what I told you before is trial and error. Like you see that boundaries are blurring and that doesn't have a good effect on you. And you try to think, what can I do, <laughs> right? Are there any boundaries I need to put in place? Am I demanding too much? Also surrounding yourself with communities of people, like-minded people matters a lot. Try to find your tribe to say, I know there's different kinds of digital nomads. Just because someone else is a digital nomad or a solopreneur, that doesn't mean they are like-minded in some ways, because there are people who, for example, want to live off passive income, right? And they've made that happen already, and they have the day largely to themselves. If you want to grow a business or you want to grow a team or you're in the earlier stages, you're going to be in a very different place. If everyone around you is like, let's go surfing, then go for yoga class the entire morning and have smoothie bowls. That's not going to be very conducive of your work routines. If someone is grinding to get investment and fundraising and is working 15 hours a day because they're in a sprint, they might not, again, be the most like-minded person for you. So find the people who want the same things as you in life right now and surround yourself with them. Not that there's anything with it, all the other ones. We go through different phases in our lives and that might be us in three years or so on. It's so true that you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And if you spend time with people who have healthy boundaries, who like to have meaningful work, but have a life outside of work as well, it will be so much easier for you. I think one of the other topics that you and I were talking about a while ago was habits, habit formation and James Clear and his work and all of those things. Find what works for you. Is it to reward yourself? And nobody can tell you what's going to work for you. There's good ideas and good resources. I think I'm obviously highly biased because we own a co-working space, but a dedicated space for work and a space where you are surrounded by other people who do that and you have good chairs and AC and good internet so you're not struggling can take away a whole lot of... So I think the environment, social and let's say physical infrastructure-wise can be huge help. 
we only have a certain amount of strong will in ourselves per day. And if we run out of it by just trying to get to a productive uh, space to do some work and go through this decision fatigue and figuring things out every day, it's, uh, it's definitely challenging. One big thing that I know a lot of new nomads fall a lot into this trap is traveling too fast. If you're in a place for too short of a period, you're going to have a constant FOMO. You're going to be like, oh, but I need to see this and that and go everywhere. And that's going to be to the detriment of your work. You're going to procrastinate. If you say, I'm going to be in this place for two, three months, you're going to be motivated to find a good Airbnb or apartment where you can work from or a co-working space or your routine and so on. I would say, especially if you're a new nomad or a new remote worker, don't make ambitious travel plans. As you get more experienced, you'll be able to have more portable routines and you'll be able to pull off a productive week, even if you're like in between flights and commitment. But in the beginning, it's really not the way to go. I experienced this firsthand. One of the reasons that I have a top of list of locations I love to live as a nomad were those locations where I stay at least three months. I managed to have, as you mentioned, a routine. I managed to immerse in that community and actually learn something about that country or region, not just to be a traveler. There's a big difference between uh, travelers and nomads. I just had the chat with Gonzalo Hall and he mentioned something really, really eye-opening. Digital nomads don't travel between places. They travel between communities. And this is really true because search to be part, as you mentioned, of a tribe, search to be part of something that it's aligned with our goals, aligned with our way of seeing things. And we travel differently. When it comes to starting out as a digital nomad and trying to go into this lifestyle, we actually have a tradition in this show to challenge our guests in coming up with some practical solutions. And I want to challenge you to put yourself in the shoes of introvert, a freelancer, that is just starting or at least wants to start this nomadic journey and to make a roadmap for them to enter this world uh, with the help of something that you so well known, a coworking space. I'm an introvert and at the beginning I was struggling. Even that all of you guys were like so welcoming, I was struggling to connect with people. I was struggling to actually express my needs or express myself in a group. How you approach this? To imagine myself as an introvert. I'm on an extroverted scale. I know some people who are like 90 something percent extroverted. Like they need, they were the ones who were suffering during the pandemic because they couldn't see people like they were about to knock down the door. I'm something like a 60% to 40%. I think it's going to be a bit more realistic for me to imagine that. First thing I would do is referring to what I just said, not plan to travel very fast in between regions or countries. I'm going to start with three to six months in Bali or Chiang Mai or Lisbon or Madeira or whatever it is. I would recommend that if you're just entering this world, you actually go to one of the big nomad destinations because the infrastructure is there. The communities are there. The co-working spaces are there. There's a lot of resources online that you can access about how to get around those places and so on. And as you get more experienced, you venture into 
So that's what I would do. I would pick a destination that is on one of the top destinations. You can see that on Nomad List. And you can see the ratings for different destinations in terms of Wi-Fi infrastructure, weather, friendliness of the locals, and so on. And then what I would research a bit, what is the infrastructure for nomads in that area, right? What co-working spaces are there? How are they rated? What are they known for? Again, I'm keeping in mind that I'm an introvert right now, right? So it's much easier for me to do this research and look at things rather than, let's say, talk to people. Talking to people you don't know will be inevitable at some point if you want to be a nomad. So you're going to have to joining these groups ahead of time and seeing who are the admins, what's going on, who organizes things, getting in touch directly or indirectly first, as you were saying, through maybe comments or little exchanges online. And then I would definitely pick a co-working space and try as much as possible to go to at least some social events. Depending on just how introverted I am, I may be more comfortable with a masterclass where I sit down and listen to something and then at the end I can chat with a few other people. Or I may be more comfortable to go to a speed dating, networking, which is already full-on extroverted territory, but uh, depends on how challenged I want to be that week. That would be a start. This is a really good start indeed. You touch point on almost everything that I could think of from my experience. And maybe a thing that I want to go a bit deeper, it's after you arrive at that corking space. How do you actually make friends? I know that might be obvious question, but I have a lot of chit chat with recent people that I met in Chiang Mai that were struggling to actually know others, learn about how to introduce themselves. And I know that you're majority extrovert, but how you go about this? Like how was with someone to just go up there and try to be part of a community? Because usually especially the popular ones, are already filled with people that know each other well and majority of them that are very welcoming and such. How do you introduce yourself into that? Very valid question. I would say that some co-working spaces, some destinations make it easier than others. There'll be like a meet the new members lunch sometimes and you can look for one of those places that offers this kind of stuff where that isn't on you. There's already an opportunity or an event that is being advertised as such and you just have to get out of your shell and show up. I think there's a classic book that I really recommend everyone to read. It's always worth rereading it or referring to it. How to Win Friends and Influence People. Such kind of timeless advice in this book. The superpower of an introverted person is that they listen a lot and they observe a lot. What happens when you listen a lot and you observe a lot is that you gain a lot of intel on everyone around. Like you start knowing what they like, what they're interested in. And that is the pathway. That is the door. So Look for a way of being useful for someone like you, Gabe. You work with web a lot. You may be like, hey, I don't know you, but I know a lot about this topic and I'm happy to grab a coffee and chat. That's an easy way to gain an acquaintance. And because I'm an introvert, I get this information. I observe people. I hear what they're interested in, what they want to do. Introverts tend to blabber a lot. They're like, oh, I have this problem. I don't know how to do this. Whatever, even if no one's listening. Introverts can take advantage of that information and use it then or later. So I would say look for a way of making yourself useful, even if it's just a tiny bit of information. And be interested, right? In find those commonalities. Oh, you're interested in that. I'm interested in that. Let's talk about it. I would say that those would be two very good ways that are totally in the realm of possibilities for introverts because they'll observe and they'll listen a lot more. 
simply listening is a way of making friends. If you see someone who had a bad day and they just want to tell someone, you can be that person that listens. You gain a new acquaintance and that could turn into a friend. Indeed, they are not only easy to follow, but in the same time, very valid because as an introvert myself, this leading with help really helps. Just trying to be helpful and listen carefully. It's an really amazing way to connect with others. And uh, I want to switch a bit the discussion more of the fun part. I'm really curious, what was the biggest or unexpected experience that you have as a digital nomad? Unexpected. Yeah. Uh, quite a few things come to mind. Sorry. Wow. No pressure. <laughs> Let me think what to pick or what to... Yeah, I was mentioning that I was just in Sri Lanka. And you maybe have heard that the country's kind of in fiscal default. And there was a sort of mutiny, small revolution that ousted the president a few months ago. And you have this plans to go there and you're like, oh, should we go, right? I chose to go in the end and had such a fantastic time because it turns out Sri Lankans are this awesome people who are like, the world may end tomorrow, but we're having a big party, so chill and join us in. That was definitely something I expected and seeing how people have completely adapted to this uncertainty or reality that they live in. For example, cafes and because there's no fuel, there's no sort of the country's running out of energy. And if you're a cafe, how do you operate? How do you make coffee? So there was this cafe that had a menu with options for power cut time and for power on time. So they were like, this is the menu if you happen to be ordering during a power cut. And this is the menu if somehow power is on. And I found that amazing. It's like we were talking earlier about how everything is getting faster and more uncertain. And that's a perfect example of adapting to that, of saying, I don't care. I'm going to run this business one way or another. So I'm going to find a way to thrive. So to me, that was something unexpected. Hearing so many negative news about a country and then showing up in there and everyone's chilled and welcoming and just having a great time are all this news that we read internationally untrue and they would be like nope all of it is true but we're still getting on with with life and doing the best we can and so on it's quite unexpected for me for sure Wow, that's quite a story and looking forward to visit Sri Lanka as well. I heard so many beautiful stories about that country and it's just one flight away. And that's the beauty of being a digital nomad. You can be flexible and travel different locations. I spent a bit of time in Iran. The things we know about Iran, especially being a woman in there, women getting, we see what's happening right now with basically a full uprising of the female population, very conservative, and everything needs is the internet is highly controlled. Once again, very unexpected, right? I so many really interesting people who are fully aware of what was happening in the world. They were all on VPNs all day long, with full access to everything, of course. They were having very lively secret parties and doing in their private lives whatever they wanted. I found incredibly surprising this level of personal freedom that they granted to themselves. It's like, okay, we're in public. We have to be, as women, we have to be covered. We have to do this. We have to do that and look very Muslim. But in private, it's still we're in charge of our lives. In my basement, I can be whoever I want. I can read whatever I want. I can have whatever parties I want. I can have all these interests that are not very approved of, to say so. I found that really surprising and really refreshing and reassuring that the human spirit is just stronger than anything. Exactly. And especially that 
mass media in general just manipulating with information and you don't really learn about a place until you experience that place. This is probably one of the biggest benefits of this lifestyle. But when you live for a few weeks, a month, you actually absorb that culture. You have these small experiences that couldn't have otherwise to see how local lives how, how they go about their lives and their habits and everything in between. It's just something that I cannot see myself stop doing it like forever. Of course, at some point you have like some sort of my ideal life, like settling in a place for more than half a year and the rest traveling is something that I envision myself doing at some point. And uh, yeah, thanks for sharing that. I want to touch a bit more on the business side of things and how this ecosystem that you build and live it is helping others. Yes, I've been involved in some of your projects and it's helped my early stages of digital nomad life a lot. How you are helping people and if not that you prepare a surprise for our listeners, if you can tell us more about that. So one thing that we do with Livid is that we organize this workations. So not for people who just want sort of retreat and just want to have a trip and want to sort of enjoy the island and be a tourist. We are not talking about that target audience. We're talking about people who want to come and work and explore the island, either on their own or with the team. So in many ways, we specialize in work with teams, but we also have a lot of B2C or individual clients as well. And we're very proud to count you as one of those. And I'm really happy to hear that we've helped with that with that transition. And, and you found a home and a community in Bali at, at Livid Hub. So yeah, what we've done is we created a landing page with a special price for your listeners for any workation packages that they will have in the show notes. And these are plug and play packages where you just get your flight ticket and then you you come here and we set you up with everything, right? With a workspace, with accommodation, with meals or meal recommendations. If you're a team with team activities, and even if you're just an individual with adventures and concierge service that helps you book things and discover the island, the community at Livid Hub and the team are very mixed. We don't want to be a bubble of Westerners in, in a, on a tropical island. And there's nothing particularly wrong with that. It's just not our vision of our community. We want to be integrated with the local community, be contributing to local causes and be rooted in what happens around because we're here for the long game, not just visit and go. So we have a lot of local team members who are like super happy to provide advice as to cool things to do and lesser known adventures or spots. And then we also have a lot of foreigners in the community who have been here a long time and are happy to share from their experience. So those workation packages are discounted and a special offer for your listeners if anybody wants to look into it and then just ping us, let us know, and we'll, we'll take it from there. And then also we can help with logistical admin tasks. We can help with matters that have to do with legality, like visas, work permits, if someone wants to, or residence permits, if someone wants to stay longer or someone wants to open a company, decides to move here or so and training and operating that company. And then at an international level, we actually work with 
clients from anything between 10 and 15 countries at a time. And so, as you were saying, we have a uh, part of our team is fully distributed and or remote, and we help companies build and scale teams, tech startups. And, and we also, through the academy, we help Indonesians to, to reskill and upskill and put them in touch with people who need, let's say, help with their community management, social media manager, VA, project manager sort of tasks. Obviously, if any of your listeners want to get involved in that, we are we are always looking for more trainers, people who want to hire our alumni, people who want to support a scholarship for someone. That those are some of the things we do internationally. And we also we are a great partner for tech founders who build the product and and have gotten to a place where they have traction or investment and so on. And now they have to build a team and a business around it. So we've done that with quite a few different companies. And so we call it a fractional HR and strategic partner service. So we're happy to hear from people that want to build something that they see growing or are part of a tech startup that needs help. We do Skillshares both online and offline. So if anyone wants to share from their experience or their skills or wants to attend one of these events, they are welcome. I know you'll have the links in the show notes as well. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much for that. I'm sure a lot of from our listeners will benefit from either of these services and the special offer that you prepare for them. But before wrapping things up, I know that you prepare a challenge for our listeners that they can apply in less than 24 hours and help them actually find a coworking space that is suitable for their needs. As you mentioned, Working space can wear different hats depending on the needs. Yeah, I think this is a great a continuation of our discussion around your challenge to me, although I didn't know what your challenge was going to be. So I would challenge your listeners, no matter if they're introverted or extroverted, to reflect and figure out the answer to the following questions. Number one, what are the most important one, two things for you when choosing a co-working space? Presumably you're working remotely or you want to travel to a new place. What are those things that you that are important for you? Is productivity important? Things like quiet rooms, ergonomic chairs, AC rooms. Is community the number one priority, right? Is it important for you to have additional services like a soft landing package, like co-living, like help with visas? What are the one, two most important things that would make great co-working space a suitable option for you? Once you've figured that out, find at least one of those spaces according to your needs in an area of your choice. I would challenge you to go for a space that or a city or an area you haven't been in at all, or perhaps a place you actually plan to travel to. Coworking.com and Google Maps and Nomad List can be great resources. Disclaimer, I'm not paid by Nomad List. I know I mentioned it a few times. They, all of these can be great tools to determine which spaces in the area best suit your criteria. And don't just listen to what the owners say. Look at the reviews. That would be my tip. So that's the challenge. That's a great challenge and really useful and easy to apply. Just visiting a few websites and answer first that question that you mentioned. It's enough to find that perfect location for you to test it out because always have to test. Thank you so much, Lavina, for that. And thank you so much for joining our discussion. You brought so much value and so much resources that I really took a lot of notes here for myself as well. So hopefully our listener as well managed to get as much value as possible from it. Thanks again for joining the call. 
Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for doing this important work of creating this resources for people. It was a pleasure always and looking forward to having you back in Bali. Thanks for listening, everybody. Make sure to check the show notes where you'll find direct links to the tools and resources mentioned in this episode and much more. If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure to subscribe to your favorite podcast station to not miss when we drop the next one. We have lots of exciting guests and surprises for you coming up. This is your host, Gabe Marushka with the Nomad Solopreneur Show. Until next week, Pura Vida!